Lecture topic. Keeping one's word. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi alladheena astafa. Amma ba'du fa'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Wala taqfu ma laysa laka bihi 'ilm. إن السمع والبصر والفؤاد كل أولئك كان عنه مسؤولا صدق الله العظيم. Most respected ulama ikram, brothers and elders. Allah تبارك وتعالى has blessed us with the Quran Sharif. as a kitab of guidance this guidance is unlike what people of dunya call guidance in dunya many things are called guidance but after a while that guidance is changed this medical guidance sometimes after some time of making that the standard and that as the real gold standard of medical advice in that particular matter how often years pass people have been given that particular medication that treatment and then they say no now we've discovered that this is not really beneficial rather this is harmful and this medication is now actually delisted this is banned all these things happen in the so called guidance of dunya sometimes there is some professional guidance or advice regarding some legal matter after a while they say no no this is not the right this is not the right direction something is not in order here actually it's a very different advice that should be given now so all these things keep changing but the quran sharif is the word of allah tbaraka wa taala the quran sharif from ever Allah tbaraka wa taala has revealed the Quran Sharif to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam from the time the Quran Sharif is revealed until qiyamah there won't be one dot that will change in it and the guidance of the Quran Sharif is for all times the success that we are looking for is only in following what Allah taala has given us in the Quran Sharif what Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught us so to the extent that we take this to heart the extent that we practice on it many things mashallah we have heard over and over again we speak about it also and we keep listening to it but the benefit will come out of adhering to it taking it to heart practicing on it that's when we will gain that benefit we will see the success that comes out of it we are some advices that allah taala has given in these ayat that were recited in surah isra prior to this ayat that was recited allah taala says wala taqrabu mal al-yatim illa billati hiya ahsan hatta yablugha ashuddah these are some advices preceding this ayat that was recited initially and there's some further advice after it as well and after all these advices allah taala says that this is allah enumerates his favors allah taala has revealed this zalika mimma awha ilayka rabbuka min al-hikma this is a wisdom allah has revealed allah is enumerating his favor they don't take this just for granted don't take this just by the way it's very deep in any case the ayat that we wish to discuss is what was recited for first but just preceding this ayat also some very important aspects allah taala says wala taqrabu mal al-yatim illa billati hiya ahsanu hatta yablugha ashudda don't approach the property and the wealth of the yatim except that which is best the best aspect that will be beneficial for that yatim the best transactions the best management what will be of benefit to that yatim so don't do anything beyond that don't do anything apart from that because that yatim's wealth will be in somebody's possession as amanat 
So don't ever do anything that is against the dictates of this amanat. This is a very common situation, time to time, whether it's the wealth of a yatim, or whether it is some other amanat, but amanat is of a very, very delicate nature. And when a person is entrusted with some amanat, or he has to deal with somebody's amanat, then it requires the highest level of caution. And especially in those kinds of amanat where it is a combination of many people's wealth. For example, a person is an executor in an estate. Now somebody has passed away and he's an executor. Uh, he has to take care of this entire amanat which may have many, many shareholders, sometimes few and sometimes it's already running into maybe dozens of people too. Because sometimes some, it has become an estate into an estate. Because these things are not done quickly as per the requirement of Sharia. That when a person passes away, there should be no delay in these things. When somebody has passed away, then one of the requirements of Sharia is that the person's estate must be dealt with quickly. And whatever has to be done must be do- done in the correct manner without delay. Sometimes somebody says, no, I'm still mourning. So therefore, I cannot deal with this now. Says, but mourning is one thing in its place, but what is Allah Ta'ala's command must be done. When Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam left this dunya, so obviously this was a very, very difficult moment for the Sahaba Ikram. Who can imagine what went through the heart of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala an? What went through Hazrat Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an? Initially, he was not able to accept that the inevitable has happened. That Nabi Karim Salaam has departed from dunya. He couldn't register it. It was not coming to heart and mind that yes, this has happened. To the point that he unsheathed his sword. That anybody dares say such a thing, I'll behead him. But eventually, the reality sunk home. When Sayyidina Abu Bakr came in, and he recited the ayat of the Quran Sharif that وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلُ أَفَإِمَّا تَأُوْ قُتِلًا قَلَفْتُمْ عَلَىٰ أَعْقَابِكُمْ And the ayat of the Quran Sharif إِنَّكَ مَيِّتُ وَإِنَّهُمْ مَيِّتُونَ The crux of which is that Allah Ta'ala already spelled this out that the day will come when Nabiya Kareem Salaam will leave He says when that sunk home my legs couldn't carry me I fell to the ground Meaning it was such a shock to the heart, I fell to the ground. My legs couldn't carry me anymore. Now, that grief that had overcome everybody, likewise, who can imagine what grief overcame Sayyidah Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, which she described in herself in one couplet, Subbat alayya basaibu law annaha, Subbat alal ayyami sirna layaliya. That such a calamity came upon me with this shock. That had this calamity come upon the day, then the day would have been transformed into the darkness of night. She is expressing her grief. And Sayyidina Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu, after Nabi Karim sallallahu was buried, so she asked him, Atabat anfusukum antuhtu ala rasulillah that with what heart you did this? Now this was out of their extreme grief, so with what heart you did this? That with what heart did you all put sand on the on top of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam? So Anas kept quiet. He didn't say anything. She obviously asked this out of her extreme grief. He kept quiet, but his silence was an answer. His silence was an answer that this was the most difficult task we ever had to perform. But this too was Allah Taala's command. We had to do it. As difficult as it was, we had to put a rock on our heart to do it. That Nabi Kareem Salaam had to be put into the ground. But Allah's command, we had to do it. Now this was the point. That sometimes these become very emotional moments. And then a lot of emotions are running high. Sentiments are running high. But everything in its place. But the command of Allah is above everything. And the command of Allah Ta'ala is that these things should be dealt with hastily. 
without delay. Any undue delay. Some things are beyond sometimes a person's capacity, beyond somebody's control. But no undue delay should, allowed, should be allowed to take place. So in any case, the point that we are discussing is that any amanat, now this becomes a very delicate amanat because there's so many people's uh, shares involved, everybody's joint amanat, so something that is done that is not in order, then it means that so many different people's amanat has been trampled. So Allah Ta'ala says, don't ever approach the wealth of the yatim with anything but that which is the best, best approach, best management, best care. And further Allah Ta'ala says, وَأَوْفُوا بِالْعَهْدِ إِنَّ الْعَهْدَ كَانَ مَسْؤُولًا And fulfill your agreements. Fulfill the covenant. What is a covenant between the servant of Allah Ta'ala and Allah Ta'ala? That he has made a covenant by the virtue of saying La ilaha illallah. The covenant, the agreement with Allah Ta'ala that he will be subservient to Allah Ta'ala. He will fulfill what Allah Ta'ala's commands are. Society will have its demands and families will have their demands and what not. All the kinds of things will come around and the pressures of society and pressures of who not. But he will submit to Allah Ta'ala. In all his aspects of life, the covenant we have made is that we will submit to Allah Ta'ala. That's one level obviously has to be fulfilled. And then together with that is the covenants and agreements that we make with the servants of Allah Ta'ala. That too must be fulfilled. Allah is highlighting this in the ayat of the Quran Sharif and not one place, many many places. That a mu'min, his word is his honor. A mu'min has made an agreement, he keeps up to it. In the time of Sayyidina Amin Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala once there was a pact that he had, a treaty he had with the Romans. But the time of the treaty was now very close to expiry. There was a time period. So he had his armies then all gathered on the border, close by. In those days, things would get to be known after a while. It wasn't instant now, like nowadays, something, one small movement and the movement is already tracked somewhere else and the message and the news is all over the place so now in any case that time that was not the case so he had his armies gathered close by to the border and as soon as that time expired he gave the instruction and they marched into the enemy territory now the treaty has expired it was time bound so it expired so they marched into the enemy treaty uh, the enemy territory and very quickly these people were caught unawares they were napping. They didn't expect this to happen so quickly. And he already captured a vast amount of their land. As they now still advancing deeper into the enemy land. Far from the rear, somebody is riding on a horse and coming at high speed. And he's shouting aloud something. He's shouting aloud, Allahu Akbar, Wafa'un la ghadrun. Allahu Akbar, Wafa'un la ghadrun. Then they hear what he's saying. Say, okay, just wait, who's this person? What's, what's he saying? Let him come close. So he's a Sahabi of Rasulullah Amr ibn Abasa. He comes by and then he says, What are you saying? Meaning you must be fulfilling your pledges and honor your treaties. Don't deceive anybody. Who's deceived what? What, what deception are you talking about? What violation of any treaty are you talking about? Don't violate your treaties. Says Nabi Karim Sallallahu has said something which I heard that when a person has any treaty with anybody, he should not do anything that is against the dictates of that treaty, anything that's against the spirit of that treaty. In other words, until the time has elapsed, or either he has mutually cancelled it, you haven't mutually cancelled anything, and before the time elapsed, you already started making movements, though it was within your own territory, within the Islamic borders, but it was for this purpose. So though you hadn't crossed the border yet, but you already started moving in this, this was against the spirit and the dictates of this treaty. Now, Sayyidina Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala hears this, imagine he's 
already captured a vast amount of enemy territory and now he hears this hadith of Rasulullah and he immediately gives the instruction to all his people go back just release everything give all this up because this was not in keeping up with the spirit of the treaty though we didn't take one step into enemy territory before the time elapsed now this was highlighting how much they kept there was a mistake, it was not realized that okay, this is not in keeping with the spirit of the treaty but when this Hadith Sharif came in front this is the other lesson to learn there were no ifs and buts then when the command of Allah Taala was brought in front of them the teaching of Rasulullah was brought in front there are no ifs and buts that ifs and buts that is when there is some weakness in the heart then that weakness in Iman that brings about the ifs and buts but the strength of Iman then there is total submission so this is the message about keeping up to word that's a treaty is a word it's an agreement a word is given and a Muslim honors his word there have been many many incidents where person now did a deal verbally verbal deed deal with some person not a Muslim also and now that person confirmed it, okay fine, I've sold this house to you. How much for so much? They did the deal. And later on, he was offered by some other Muslim. Don't worry about that now, I'll give you a hundred thousand more. Now that person is aware, he's telling him, I've already given my word. I've given my word to so and so, the name of the person, everything. You see, no, don't worry about that. Now he's enticing the non-Muslim with more money to do what? to break his word and the non-Muslim is saying to him no I will keep to my word what is our teaching others have taken and they are prospering in dunya based on following what is the teaching of Islam with regards to correct mu'amalat without iman a person will get nothing in the akhirat there is no salvation in the akhirat without iman but dunya, even if a disbeliever adopts the principles of Islam with regards to business, with regards to trade, with regards to general life, he'll also get the benefit of dunya. And if a Muslim abandons it in dunya, he'll also lose out in dunya. Akhirat, the basis of any benefit in akhirat is iman. So in any case, this is the lesson that we have to uphold. Keep to our word, our honor. That's our honor honor of a Muslim is his word any case then further in the ayat Allah Ta'ala says there are some other aspects mentioned there about being very careful about measure when a person is measuring his weighing then to be very conscious about weighing and measuring properly and in the end Allah Ta'ala says ذَلِكَ خَيْرُ وَأَحْسَنُ that is better and that will have the best end result Outwardly a person feels he's going to measure external, measure less now and cheat the person, weigh less and cheat the person and he'll get more. He didn't cheat in any way and he might get more, he'll score now. But Allah Ta'ala is saying that being honest and upright, being just and honest and upright, that is better. That will bring the better end result. The better end result in Akhirat is obvious. That with honesty, with justice, with righteousness, with being upright, that is what will bring the best end result in the akhirat. Otherwise it's azab. But let alone the akhirat which is obvious, even in dunya, the cheating will not bring any good. Outwardly seem to be good. But the end result will be disaster. That disaster will come. And that honesty and uprightness that will bring the benefit of dunya also. People get to know, yeah, you don't get cheated. That gets around. And people then become confident, that confidence builds up. And then they'll be ready to pay a little more somewhere where they are confident. Rather than be risking themselves to getting cheated somewhere else. So, nevertheless, what the ayat that follows is what we wanted to discuss is, Allah Ta'ala then says, وَلَا تَقْفُ مَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٍ don't pursue that which you have no knowledge about. 
don't pursue what you have no knowledge about. Knowledge, knowledge is not just some thing we just heard somewhere. It's not called knowledge. Knowledge is something that is firmly established from authentic sources. Just something we heard somewhere, Allah Ta'ala therefore immediately says, Inna sama'a wal basara wal fu'ad kullu ula'ika ta'ana anhu mas'ula Verily the hearing, the sight and the heart you will be questioned about all this on the day of Qiyamah. Now the first thing that is mentioned is verily the hearing. Before the sight also, the hearing is mentioned. Because very often our knowledge is I heard. I just heard. Who heard from who? Sometimes we don't even know who we heard from. And sometimes if there is a need for a reference, say they said. So somebody said they are looking for they for a long time. They still haven't found them. So that becomes the standard for our, the reference, standard reference, I heard. Heard way, but you have no idea who the person is, what's the credentials of the person. Just heard of something, somewhere, YouTube, Allah knows best way, and that became ilm. Now what will become the outcome of that? The outcome of that will become deviation, when there is no proper basis. So now this is just hearing something, just seeing something anywhere, just carrying on with it. That is very dangerous. That is dangerous for a person's deen, is dangerous for his dunya also. Now he just heard something and now he related it. He related it and now it turned out that this was a lie. He heard it, but he didn't verify it. So Allah Ta'ala is warning us beforehand. If you don't have proper knowledge about something, don't pursue it. Don't get into it, because you're going to find yourself in trouble then. Once there was some issue in the time of the Salafus Salihin, pious predecessors, so somebody was asked, now why don't you come and join into this matter also? There was some kind of issue taking place, some battle. So now things were very confusing, very, very muddled. So one person was being forced, you must come also. They said, you see what the example of this is, that now people all traveling on the road, now suddenly there was a gust of wind, very very heavy wind. Now this wind that now blew for a while, so the entire place now was filled with dust. And those days, there were no roads and so on like we have nowadays. So on the dusty roads now they are traveling. And now this wind is blowing sometimes those sandstorms. So the whole place is completely dark now. You can't even see where you are going. So now in this the people are all blinded by the sandstorm. So now when they were blinded by the sandstorm, some decided rather just go right. Some decided to go left. And some decided, we are not moving from the spot we are on, because we are on the road at the moment. Right, left, some direction, we don't know where we will finish off. But right now, if we just stop where we are, sooner or later the dust will settle. When the dust settles, we will still be on the road. Then we can go forward. But we go right, left, some other direction. Now when the dust settles, we realize we have gone completely off the track. Far away from the road somewhere. Now that was an example that was given to say, please, I have no idea what's taking place here. I don't have the knowledge about it. So I can't make a call on this. So I'd rather just stay where I am. I'd rather not get involved in this. So many things come around, so many things from here, there and everywhere, from social media, people are... But have we the knowledge of it? If you don't have the knowledge, just stay where you are. Don't take anything. And then the way forward, the way forward what Allah Ta'ala has mentioned in the Qur'an Sharif, Ask the people of true knowledge. Ahl al-Zikr refers to the people of knowledge. So that person who is a person of knowledge. Now the question will come, who is a person of knowledge? Because everybody seems to be people of knowledge. Somebody is coming on some YouTube somewhere, and somebody is coming somewhere, and all kinds of fancy things are coming around. So when we have to take some decision regarding our health, we don't just take it from anywhere. We don't just take it from Google, a person has got a heart condition, a person has got to go for some other 
medical treatment, some legal advice he needs, he's not just taking it from anywhere. He is first checking properly, into applying his own mind to try and see who is the person of true knowledge, the light of what he can see, what the person's, uh, how he has been expressing himself in terms of aspects of deen, giving the guidance, whatever he's been. And then likewise, he'll make mashwara. He'll ask. He'll find out. He won't just take anything from anywhere. Like a person now asks, now I need this. Who's the best person in this field? This medical issue, this legal issue. He wants to find out who's the best person. He's not just doing this blinded. Anyhow, anywhere, not interested in who he's taking it from. When it comes to deen, how can we be just so careless? Deen, a person just takes anything hey, from anywhere, he can be in a serious problem. Now so many times people are taking things from here, there and everywhere, sometimes the aqaid are completely then corrupted. A person is harboring such aqidah and beliefs which are totally against the beliefs of Islam. But it was presented in a very, very glossy manner, very captivating style, so he got caught up with it went away. Because we take things from anywhere and everywhere, it starts affecting a person's manner of day-to-day life. How? Now he's taking anywhere and everywhere, the western way of life now starts becoming the norm. That becomes the standard. People start taking things from here and there and everywhere, the manner in which they start dressing, for example, that starts changing. And then things are going in a different direction. How they hold their functions, Things are going in a, and what happens here is that the rot sets in because now they're borrowing from all different lifestyles, Western lifestyle. In terms of deen, when the comparison is made, these things are a rot because they are they corrode what is the pure way of deeny life, the deeny lifestyle. These things corrode it. They it's a rot. It's a cancer. And now wherever there's a rot, there's some cancer, there's something, if it's food for example, so now first there's something, some rot sets in at some point. And somebody quickly cuts off that, it might save the rest of that food, the rest of that fruit, whatever it is. Otherwise by the next morning it's gone much deeper. And if it's just left like that, by the next few hours, of the, by the end of the day, the whole thing is now already, the rot has set in so deeply, nothing of it is really usable. Dangerous now. What happens? It keeps seeping deeper. Rot doesn't stop at a point. When it sets in, either it's going to be reversed, it's going to be completely eradicated. But if it is left there, that okay, this is very little, it will never be little. That rot will get deeper and deeper. If the rot has set in, in the sense of, for example, the car, some rust set in, that's a rot. On metal, that's the rot, rust. So now if you just left there, it's not now taken to the panel beater, remove all this rust, and just properly sort it out, don't leave any, must be even the area around it, must be all cleaned out, because some little bit of it is here and there, it will bubble up somewhere else. If that's not done, leave it for another month, it will be double the size, much more. After another one, two months, it will be gone beyond that. And a while later, perhaps months later, then it's falling apart. If that rot is in the form of some physical issue, some gangrene has set in, Allah forbid, then if it's not quickly treated and is not reversed, it's not going to stop at one point. Then it's going to carry on. Then they say, no, quickly amputate this. Otherwise, it's going to affect the rest of the foot. They say, no, amputate the foot also, because now it's already gone past this. Otherwise, the whole leg is going to get affected. So now, amputation becomes the only, only resort then, because it's now affected so badly. When rot sets in, it doesn't stop at a point. Likewise, when rot sets in, in some aspect of mu'asharat, social life, for example, for example, dressing, now the manner of dressing, some rot set in, some western style came in. It will not stop at that point, unless it's reversed. Otherwise it will get worse, and it will get worse. And then what, someday, 
somebody didn't ever dream they will wear, but their daughter will wear it. And then what the daughter wouldn't dream she would wear, her daughter will wear it. And what today many a daughter is wearing, her grandmother would have fainted if they were, she had to be told to wear it. What happened? The rot. It doesn't stop at a point. It won't stop. That's the nature of a rot. That a rot will never stop at a point. So now, no, no, this is fine, this is little bit, it's not a problem. It's a little bit of western style, it's not really a problem. It is a problem because it's a rot. And a rot never stops at a point. Unless it is reversed. It is treated, it is cleaned out, it is removed, it is reversed. Then it's saved. But if you try to just control it there, don't take it out, just control it, it will never be controlled. So now where all this comes from? We don't have the ilm. So now I'm pursuing things. No, this too is fine, and that too is fine, and that too is fine. Now getting into all this. And then Allah forbid where we finish off. Allah Ta'ala is warning us about this, that be conscious about this. In the sama wal basara wal fu'ad. There are three things mentioned in all the limbs of the body, but three things are mentioned. In the sama, the hearing. Wal basar, the sight. And then wal fu'ad, the heart. Allah Ta'ala says these three things will be questioned about on the day of Qiyamah. Whereas in other ayat, it is clear even the hands will speak, the legs will bear testimony, even the skin will speak, but Allah specifically mentions these three things will be questioned. Because the hearing and the sight are the primary tools and means of acquiring knowledge, and the heart is the seat of knowledge. The heart is the receptor. The heart is where it will be received. But it will come via the hearing. And the hearing is far more involved in this than the sight. The sight can only see something from one direction. The hearing sees something, will hear from all directions. The sight can only see what is in front. Something that is behind the wall too, the ears can hear it. And the ears can hear something that is somebody speaking from a faraway place also. Another part of the world makes a call, can hear him. So, the hearing is far more deeply involved in the process of acquiring knowledge than even the sight. And therefore we start off by saying, no, I heard. I heard this year, I heard that day. Allah Ta'ala is saying, don't just hear from anywhere and everywhere. Because you're going to be questioned about what you heard and why you heard the wrong things. That too was something to have been careful about. To hear just anything and everything can become very dangerous even for a person's iman. So, in the sama wal basara wal fuad, kullu ulaika kana anhu mas'ula. In another ayat also, Allah Ta'ala mentioned the same three limbs. That, Wallahu akhrajakum min butuni ummahatikum, la ta'alamuna shay'a. Allah Ta'ala brought you forth from the wombs of your mothers in a condition, again, no ilm, la ta'alamuna shay'a. But, waja'ala lakum sama wal absara wal afida. Allah Ta'ala gave you hearing, gave you sight. And gave you thinking, gave you that heart. Why? لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ So that you may be grateful to Allah Ta'ala. You may use this in a way that you please Allah Ta'ala. That's the shukr. The shukr and the gratitude for these organs is to use them in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. So the sight, to look at that which Allah Ta'ala is pleased with. And the ingratitude of the sight is to look at that which Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. To look at the filth and look at all the evils and to cast all the haram glances and to, and then these two things are mentioned alongside the heart because this is the direct pathway to the heart. The hearing, direct pathway to the heart. And the sight, direct pathway to the heart. What the eyes will see will impact on the heart. It is impossible to see something and not allow the impact of that to get onto the heart. If a person is intently going to see something, he is going to register it deep in his heart. And therefore, a person who looks at haram, then when that stops also, but the haram carries on in his heart. And the heart is king. So when the eyes also are closed, but the heart is king, that haram is carrying on. 
And then sometimes the person is in salah also, but the haram hasn't stopped. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So this is the message Allah Ta'ala is giving us in this ayat of the Quran Jareef. The hearing, the sight and the heart, our thinking, the heart is after all, this is what the gratitude of every lung is to use it for that which Allah Ta'ala has made it the thing to be used for. The eyes to look at that which is going to help one in day to day life. More than that, to look at that which will take one closer to Allah Ta'ala. The ears to listen to that, listen to Quran Sharif, listen to the talks of Deen, listen to those things which will benefit one in dunya also, but more importantly that will take one closer to Akhirat, to Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. And the heart after all, the heart, the heart is the, is the place which was supposed to be exclusive for the Muhammad of Allah Ta'ala. This heart was supposed to be the place that gets connected directly to Allah Ta'ala. Now that heart which was supposed to have been filled with the Muhammad of Allah Ta'ala, filled with taqwa, filled with tawazu, filled with khashiyat, filled with the Muhammad of Allah Ta'ala, the fear of Allah Ta'ala. Now that heart becomes the place of all the filth and junk. What a terrible ingratitude of this great lump and organ that Allah Ta'ala blessed us with. Therefore we have to make tawbah, istighfar, turn to Allah Ta'ala in all sincerity, Big Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness, keep ourselves in those environments that impact positively on the heart, in terms of our deen, in terms of our connection with Allah Ta'ala. Stay away from all such environments that cause a negative impact, that bring about a terrible negative impact on the heart. We are getting towards the so-called silly season. And in this time now, people just leave their intelligence behind. They're going on a holiday, so they leave behind their businesses, they leave behind their homes, they leave behind so many things at home, and they also leave their intelligence behind at home. They leave their minds behind at home, they call it the silly season. So they leave everything behind at home, and then they go on to so-called holidays. And then it's because they left their intelligence also behind at home, because now it's time to now just have fun, just have excitement, fun. So excitement and fun means nothing must come in the way. And the biggest obstacle many find in their way is Na'uzubillah, they find the obstacle, deen being the obstacle. So therefore deen, put it aside. Allah forbid those who are without iman, what can we talk about them? And those who are far away from deen, unfortunately are far away from deen. Sometimes many a person who is conscious of deen also, he says, but now I'm going on holiday, so now even my attire which I normally wear, the Islamic libas, the Islamic attire, but now this becomes an obstacle in the fun of the holiday. Now I'm going to go and so now put this aside, to leave this aside at home also. So already the starting point is that deen mustn't come in the way. Deen is being regarded as the obstacle now. So now all this comes from that same avenue and same direction, pursuing anything and everything. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq, that we remain steadfast on deen. Allah Ta'ala keep us steadfast and keep us with istiqamat till our last breath on iman and Islam. Raise us on the, take us with complete and perfect iman, and raise us on the day of qiyamah with perfect iman. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Have some zikr for a few minutes in the dua. وتعالى عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا يا ربي صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله 
Allah, we have been so ungrateful for your bounties, Ya Allah. We use your ni'mas to break your commands, Ya Allah. We use your ya Allah, ni'mas to trample the Mubarak way of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, by adopting the ways of the Yahud and Nasara. Ya Allah, forgive this very great ingratitude of ours, Ya Allah. Forgive this major sin of ours, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, grant us the haqiqat of shukr, Ya Allah. Grant us the reality of shukr, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, you bless us with all that you are pleased with, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from the traps of nafs and shaitan, Ya Allah. Save us from the traps of nafs and shaitan, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, all those who asked us to make dua for them, all who have raised their hands to this dua, Allah, you fulfill each one's jai's needs, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Grant each one the best of dunya and akhirat, Ya Allah. Allah, our greatest need is to become yours, Ya Allah. Our greatest need is that you become ours, Ya Allah. Allah, make us yours, Ya Allah. Allah, you become ours, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, grant every khair and barakat to one and all, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, you guide us, Ya Allah. You protect us, Ya Allah. Protect our progenies to Qiyamah, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, keep us steadfast on Iman, Ya Allah. Allah, take us on perfect Iman, Ya Allah. Raise us on the day of Qiyamah with perfect Iman, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa na'udhu bika min shari masta'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله